Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 12th ever show of All Around Sports. Live from the City of Champions, Boston, Massachusetts, where each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join our dozenth show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. As always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will begin each show with the past week's highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that fascinate us all. But today I'm going to start with uh, my event of the week that I attended, which was the New England Sports Museum's 10th Annual Tradition, held at the Boston Garden on Tuesday night, and it has become, uh, well, a a tradition each June here in Boston. This year's honorees included uh, Mickey Ward, the boxer of and movie star fame of uh, The Fighter, Ty Law, former great of the New England Patriots and winner of three Super Bowl championships, Mike Lowell, former Boston Red Sox and also a World Series winner, Bobby Gibb, who was the uh, first woman runner in the Boston Marathon, and Willie O'Ree, who was the first African-American hockey player. But most of all, the Lifetime Achievement Award winner was Larry Bird, the one and only Larry Bird, quite possibly my favorite athlete of all time, who uh, I got to see play often in the old Boston Garden when I moved up to Boston in the 1980s. And Larry was at his usual candid self, as you'll hear in this clip when he talks about what motivated him, and it shows what Larry was all about. That's pretty good at motivating myself. And before these games, I would just sit there and, and ramp myself up, and that eased a lot of the pain. Uh, not all of the pain, but uh, I, I should have retired a couple of years earlier, but the back issues were something I couldn't overcome. It's sort of like my two teenage kids. They're pretty tough to get along with, too. But, uh, uh, you know, you just play. Man. You get paid to play, and you're supposed to play, you're supposed to perform. And that's what I wanted to do. 
sometimes you got to think about the people that supported you and the people that are down there waiting for you to come down there. <clears throat> I had a number of people over the years tell me that they came to the Garden City play and I wasn't able to play. But they came from Cleveland, they might have came from New York. And, you know, that really tears at your heart. So anytime you have an opportunity to play, you want to play. That, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what Larry Bird is all about. He's the man who came to play, and he also offered a very candid assessment in looking back at his career. As a player, I wish I would listen to my trainers. I, I did a lot of road running in the summer and run hills, and, and, and that's why my ankles, got, they tell me my ankles are going to get bad, get worse, and I can continue to do it because I always thought I had to be in top condition. And, um, yeah, I would probably spend more time in the gym. I, I really feel bad because we just won three championships. We were better than You know, we went 81, and uh, I thought, well, 83, I thought Philly was just unbelievable. They were great. But 82, then 84. 87 is probably my proudest team um, that se proudest season because uh, the guys were really banged up and we made it to the finals and we had a chance. Uh, Kevin had a broken foot he was playing on, and Robert had bone spurs on both ankles. Danny had a hip injury or a back injury. And I could help this one. So, uh, but uh, that was a gutsy team that year. The guys really played their hearts out. And we, we had a chance to win. Well, as Larry himself so eloquently stated, and we Boston fans up here also agree, we always thought there could have been and should have been some more championships. So it was a great night. Uh, many hundreds of people uh, standing on the floor of the Boston Garden and... It was just wonderful. All the athletes that I just named were mingling with the crowd and many others, such as uh, Dave Cowens were there and Dickie Eklund, uh, portrayed by Christian Bale, the Oscar winner for the movie The Fighter. So just a wonderful night, and that was my personal highlight of the week. And uh, But the low light of the week is the fact that uh, we all awoke this morning to the start of the NBA lockout. And suddenly, we all live in a sports world where two of the four major American sports are currently in lockout mode. It's very disturbing as the NFL drags on and this NBA lockout seems to be putting the entire season in jeopardy, even though it's only, what, 13, 13 hours old? So we're going to get into that more in the second half of the show. And uh, my bizarre sports story of the week is the... Dodgers filing for bankruptcy, uh, where just yesterday, the checks of Dodger employees actually bounced. So uh, I got to think people in L.A. Are, aren't too thrilled with uh, the exports coming out of Boston. Uh, first, Whitey Bulger, and now Frank McCourt, and the Dodger franchise and brand, one of the iconic brands in all of American sports, is in... Uh, Transition, shall we say, to be kind, jeopardy uh, to a certain degree. And uh, I will say one thing, Frank McCourt it will put up a voracious court battle, and he has plenty of experience in America's courtrooms. But now I want to get into my highlight of the week, which was the hoped-for return of baseball this past weekend to Pittsburgh as the Pirates hosted the Red Sox before record crowds last weekend for both a three-game series and a single game Sunday at spectacular PNC Park, where I've uh, been there for a game a couple years ago, and 
It's the nicest park in the majors as far as I'm concerned. And to see those fans standing in the ninth inning on Saturday night uh, as the Pirates' closer uh, finished, finished off the Red Sox was really something special and just something I th- was wondering if I would ever see again. Uh, I'm going to take a little walk down memory lane for with you listeners right now. And I grew up in Eltoona, Pennsylvania, about two hours east of Pittsburgh. And... I grew up going to Pirate Games in Forbes Field. Uh, my first sports memory ever was Bill Mazeroski hitting the homer in 1960 to beat the Yankees, something I still enjoy to this day. And uh, that launched the Pirates on basically a 20-plus year run where they fielded some of the best and biggest personality teams really, in baseball history, if not American sports history. Um, You know, again, it was uh, the memories for me of going to Forbes Field are just terrific. Uh, I grew up in a Catholic family where in the 1960s we would get up and go to 7 a.m. Mass on a Sunday, get in the car with my father and my two older brothers, and we would drive to Pittsburgh and Forbes Field, which was an absolutely spectacular venue, For instance, dead center field was 457 feet away, and it used to uh, feature at the bottom of the ivy-covered wall the batting cage turned towards the wall so balls would bounce off it that didn't go over it, and there weren't many of those. So, uh, and by the way, I'm a firm believer that uh, had Forbes Field been left standing, it would be right there with Fenway Park, half an hour from my house, where I'm currently broadcasting from, as well as uh, Wrigley Field as one of the beloved ballparks of America. And uh, so it's a shame because I think it would have kept baseball relevant through the past number of decades in Pittsburgh. So we fast forward through the 1960s, and then all of a sudden Forbes Field gets turned down, and they erect Three Rivers Stadium, and that heralded the 1971 Pittsburgh Pirates. And they won the World Series over the Baltimore Orioles that year, and led by uh, the immortal Roberto Clemente, MVP of the series, batted over 400. And some of the uh, members of that team, again, talking big personality, household names. Chuck Tanner was the manager. Doc Ellis, who once pitched a no-hitter on acid, or so he said. Dave Justy, a reliever in the World Series, didn't give up a hit, or excuse me, a run during that World Series. Um, Steve Blass, awesome starting pitching in the postseason, and on and on and on. Richie Hebner, who grew up in Norwood, Massachusetts, which is about five minutes from where I'm standing at this moment. And just before I depart, I just want to throw out, a while we're throwing out some names, throw out a couple from the 1960 team, iconic names, Vernon Law, Elroy Face, two members of the pitching staff, Don Clendenin, the first baseman who became a member later of the Amazing Mets of 69, Smokey Burgess was the catcher. So it was really, really pretty special stuff back in the day. And then in 1979... Famous We Are Family Pirates, and throughout this decade, they were known as the Lumber Company. The announcer was Bob Prince, nicknamed the Gunner, who ended every pirate victory with his uh, 
famous line, we had them all the way. And, uh, you know, the, I covered the We Are Family team and also covered the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fourth Super Bowl team all in the same year. That was the original City of Champions before Boston uh, recently took over that tag. And again, that team was unbelievable names. Dave Parker, Bill Madlock, Kent DeCalvey, the reliever who I actually interviewed when I worked for a newspaper in Florida uh, back in the early 80s. He was terrific. And then that brought us into the early 90s, which was, uh, you know, the best team never to reach a World Series. And uh, again, I went to a playoff game with that team, which featured uh, Barry Bonds, Barry Benilla, Bobby Benilla, and Andy Van Slyke as the outfield. Doug Drabeck was the star starting pitcher. It was an awesome team. I went to a playoff game in Three Rivers <clears throat> in the early 90s. And although I covered and attended many, many Pittsburgh Steelers and Pittsburgh Pirate games during the year, uh, during the years, I never, ever saw Three Rivers louder than when the Pirates were attempting a ninth inning comeback to win that playoff game against Steve Avery, the pitcher that night, who threw a complete game shutout against the Pirates. But uh, Three Rivers was rocking like I have never, ever heard it. And, you know, I just hope that, uh, you know, the Pirates can finally arrive back on the baseball scene. Today is July 1st. They are tied for second place, two games out. And they have a winning record which is quite meaningful when you consider that they are the holder of the most ignominious record in sports, which is 18 losing seasons in a row, the longest record streak in American sports for losing seasons. And there's an entire generation out there who, for whom the Pittsburgh Pirates are not relevant. And uh, I hope if any of those young listeners are tuning in today and uh, listen to what I just had to say about the not-too-distant history of the Pittsburgh Pirates, that they realize uh, that this is a great franchise. They can be great again, and uh, we all look forward to that happening, and maybe this is the finally year, finally the year to break that absolutely ridiculous streak, because it is just uh, high time for a winning season down in Pittsburgh. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break, and joining us in the next segment will be author Kathleen Lockwood, wife of former Major League Baseball player Skip Lockwood, who pitched, coincidentally, in the 1970s. And Kathleen has written a book called Major League Bride, an inside look at life outside the ballpark. So coming right up, Kathleen Lockwood. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 1- 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, it's that time of the show when we have guests join us on All Around Sports. And today I would like to welcome author Kathleen Lockwood, wife of former Major League pitcher Skip Lockwood. And Kathleen has written a book called Major League Bride, an inside look at life outside the park, outside the ballpark. And Kathleen and I met at the Great Fenway Park Writers Series a while back, which is uh, the Great Fenway Park Writers Series is created and run by the one and only George Mitrovich. And Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's a perfect segue today because at the end of my first segment, I was talking about my life growing up watching the Pittsburgh Pirates, much of it centered on the baseball in the 1970s, which is when your husband Skip was pitching and you were a baseball wife. So feel free to share your book and its content with uh, with our listeners here. Okay, great. Uh, just one quick story as I was listening to what you were saying. Um, I think you might have liked seeing Willie Stargell get up to the plate, but my husband never really enjoyed it. And I was uh, always a little nervous in the stands whenever I'd see his back coming up. The other funny yeah, well, story not- is you mentioned the 1979 We Are Family group, and I remember I was in the hospital delivering my second baby and watching all the wives who two or three of them were really good friends of mine from other teams dancing on top of the dugout and getting all the fans cheering together. So it was kind of a special memory of that time. Oh, those were great moments. I covered a lot of games that September up in Pittsburgh. I was working for a newspaper in West Virginia at the time, and uh Yes, I always remember them dancing on the dugouts. It was very, very special stuff. And uh, 
baseball in a bygone era. Uh, you know, I consider it in many ways the golden era uh, of modern times in baseball, and, and you lived it. It must have been fantastic. It was, it was a wonderful time. You know, that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book, that baseball was so central to my life for over a decade, and there were so many wonderful memories and exceptional teammates that I thought you hear a lot of negative stories, and it was kind of time to add a really uh, positive story about the community of baseball because it really is a very caring community. You know, when you marry a baseball player, you marry into an extended family, and of course, some of those family members can be a little dysfunctional. But uh, it was right, kind of, of a course. Fun time. <laughs> like like uh, any family, right? Just a, you know, uh, just a... we got married in 1970, which um, was the first year that the Milwaukee Brewers were there, and the Brewers basically were the team that. Jim Bowden wrote about in the 1969 Seattle Pilots. They moved to Milwaukee that year. So our first year, it was kind of a eye-opening to a Catholic women's college graduate from the Boston area <laughs> to go into this crazy world of baseball. But it was a lot of fun. Oh, I'm sure. Now, if uh, if I remember correctly, you moved something that sounds like 35 times during Skip's baseball career. Is that accurate? That is, yes. Um, you know, we went through three decades, parts of three decades, and 35 addresses and six major league teams and four work stoppages. So it was uh, pretty, it, life was never dull, to say the least. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, unfortunately, work stoppages are in the news now, but we won't go there. Um, I think Skip is probably most remembered for his time with the New York Mets. Do you agree? Yes, I do. I, you know, 1975, we moved, I think, five or six times that summer. But he ended up in August coming to the New York Mets and uh, becoming part of that for the next four and a half years. So we really have wonderful memories of our time in the Mets. Oh, I'm sure. And, uh, and what were the other teams that Skip played for? Uh, he started off with the, and he signed right out of high school. We weren't married at the time, but he started, started with the Kansas City Athletics in 1965. And um, actually, we're going out to a reunion at the end of July uh, at the Kansas City Baseball Historical Society. He's having a reunion out there of the old uh, A's team, so that should be fun. Uh, Owned by Charlie Finley, right? With Charlie Finley, yes. Okay. And okay. Charlie Finley was kind of a mentor of Skip all through. He signed originally with him. And then um, he went from there to the Seattle Pilots in the expansion draft, and then on to the Brewers, and then to the California Angels, and then in 75, he was sold to the um, Yankees. So we started spring training with the Yankees and got released the last week of spring training because they had um, actually purchased Catfish Hunter, who was Skip's original roommate with the, the A's in 65. So it's such a small world <laughs> as a right. starter, and they didn't need Skip. So Charlie Finley re-signed him at that point, and um, eventually we ended up with the Mets that year. Okay, and uh, you know, with all these moves, what was that like? Was it just kind of, you know, did it be, ever become sort of routine after a while, or did you just sort of, you know, pack up your car and off you went to the next stop, or what was that like as, as a wife? It was pretty crazy as a wife. You never knew exactly what was going on. You know, when I first got married, I didn't realize how insecure the uh, life was going to be. We were in Milwaukee the first four years, and you know, I thought, oh, this isn't that bad. We bought a house there, and we really enjoyed the area. And then we kind of started the routine of moving. From there, we went to California, and that was a pretty stressful season because there were all these trade rumors constantly that Skip was being traded. So 
So for a whole summer, I never bought groceries for more than three days at a time, you know, and we ended <laughs> up being there the whole season. So <laughs> after wow. that summer, I decided, you know, you just have to embrace the community you're in and whatever happens, happens. But I would Absolutely. like to talk just a little bit about how my book is different than some other baseball books that are out there. Um, basically, my book is talking about what goes on behind the scenes, where most other books were all written about the players. This is more about the family life, you know, and where the location and the velocity of a five-ounce five ounce ball thrown from an eight-inch hill in front of all these screaming fans can make the difference between either a nice, relaxing night or a disappointing trip back to the minors. You really are only as good as your last outing or two in baseball. If not your so. last pitch. Right, that's about it. Then I have another theme that runs through the whole book, that um, in order to be a successful athlete, you really need to embrace a childlike attitude like Peter Pan and resist growing up. Therefore, the baseball wife is forced to assume the responsible role of Wendy. And, you know, I write in there, there's a fine line that a baseball wife walks between being a chief cheerleader and a personal anger management therapist. (laughs) But I think that's where the community of baseball comes in so much, because almost like the military, the wives are each other's support group. You know, the husbands are on the road more than half the time, and it seems like if anything's ever going to happen, it does when they're gone. Right, and I'm sure raising a family under those circumstances, although it has many rewards, I'm sure it has many challenges as well. It does. I do remember being at one game with uh, one of my friend's little daughters who was, you know, four or five at the time, and when her husband was brought in from the bullpen, everybody started booing, and she's going, why are they booing Daddy? You know, it's kind of heartbreaking at times. (laughs) That's a tough one to explain. (laughs) That's a tough one to explain, you know, just say, oh, no, they're saying, you know, actually in Boston now they say you, it kind of sounds like booing, but uh, his name wasn't close enough to that that she couldn't have pushed it off like that. Exactly, exactly. Now, I'm sure through Skip's illustrious career, he uh, played with some pretty big names from Satchel Page to Bill Spaceman Lee, Fleet Baloo, all household names to baseball fans. Uh, you, you know, what are some of the names that stand out to you for either talent or personality that Skip uh, pitched with? We were so lucky to have so many great friends throughout the years. Um, I didn't know Satchel Page. That happened in 1965 when Charlie Finley brought him in to pitch one inning. But our first year in baseball, we were in winter ball, and we bought a car with uh, Bill Lee. And so any stories you've ever heard about him just touch the surface, you know. <laughs> he was oh, right, fabulous right, as long yes. as you weren't married to him. <laughs> but we he was Boston really fans a lot are... of fun. And then um, with the... Um, Red Sox, with the uh, Brewers, at one point during the 1972 strike, um, we owned a condo there, and so we had basically uh, housing homeless players. Uh, Jim and Rosie Lomborg were on our pull-out couch, and Ken Brett was on a mattress over in the corner, and the Slaytons were upstairs sharing a twin bed. You know, so you really got to be very close with people uh, during that time. And, you know, there are just so many wonderful people that uh, really had so much knowledge about the game and so much passion to give back to the communities. Then a few other special people. Um, we were probably the closest to the Seavers. Um, Tom and Nancy actually had us staying at their house during the lockout of 72. But the night I delivered my first child, Nancy drove me to the hospital, and it was just two or three days after Tom had gotten traded to Cincinnati, and she had to trade. She had to leave at about 7 in the morning, but at 3.30 she was driving me to the hospital because Skip was in uh, Chicago. <laughs> so oh my it was a very, very close community. 
Yeah, well, they don't, the names don't come any bigger than Tom Seaver, that's for sure. And, uh, and Kathleen, where can uh, our listeners get a copy of your book? Um, it's, it's available online at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And pretty soon it's going to be available on the MLB.com shop website. So I'm hoping for that to get uh, reality pretty soon. Um, it's also in a lot of libraries and a lot of independent bookstores uh, across the country. And recently it's available both in paperback and in Kindle and ebook editions also. Wonderful, wonderful. So uh, as I said at the top, you and I and Skip met at the Great Fenway Park Writer Series dinner uh, where we listened to Jane Levy talk about her book on Mickey Mantle. And what is, uh, we, we, we know that you're enjoying the fruits of being an author. What is Skip doing these days? And I know you're based up here in New England as well. Right, we are based up in New England. Um, Skip has been in financial services. When he got out of baseball, he went to MIT's uh, Sloan School of Management, the Fellows Program. Okay. And got his MBA there. So he's been in financial services for uh, years. Although recently, just uh, two weeks ago, we went down to St. John in the U.S. Virgin Island with the Alumni Association. They're trying to reinvigorate baseball down there. So that was just a wonderful experience to see the wide eyes of you know the little kids who are just starting to learn about baseball. Well, that's wonderful. Well, you know, the beauty of baseball is, as you know better than anyone, is uh, it's it's for a lifetime. It's not just the career. It's you know, it's with you your entire life. And uh, well, these have been wonderful stories. I really want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us and enlighten our listeners today. And Enjoy the Kansas City Athletics Reunion. It must All right. going to be well, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. All right. Hopefully we'll see you soon at another writer series. I look forward to that as well. I'm a longtime attendee since really the first or second uh, Fenway Park Writer Series uh, event ever held. And uh, I've been a, a faithful attendee, and, and it's just terrific. And uh, once again, I want to thank you for joining us. And now it's time to take our break and to join the show the call in number is 1-888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net joining us on the other side will be our weekly call in expert Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Super Bowl champ Lionel Dalton is taking to the internet airwaves with his own brand of sports talk. You'll go inside the mind of the players and find out if blacklisting really happens, what their thoughts are on training camps, where the former NFL players are now, and why being drafted by the wrong NFL team can kill a promising player's career. Lionel will also cover what's up with the Baltimore Ravens. Tune in to Sports Talk with Lionel Dalton live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Do you think that all of the generic financial information you get every day is hard to navigate? You need to tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook. Every weekend, Andreas Duffy will help you filter out this information and turn it into wisdom that you can really use. Be informed about the financial decisions you're about to make instead of just blindly making decisions. Andre's connections in the business and professional sports world will help you so you don't need to worry about your financial success. Tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144 or you can email me John Inglesby at IIR at Comcast.net and it's that time of the show when we have our weekly call-in expert Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department call-in and welcome Barry and we are now suddenly living in a world where two sports are in lockout mode and I know you used to work at the NBA so, how do you feel about the NBA lockout 14 hours in? Well, I, I don't know if there's uh, any way anyone could feel good about what we're hearing. Um, you know, I, I think there are some stark, you know, and first of all, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, from where we were a couple of weeks ago talking about, uh, you know, NBA finals and Stanley Cup finals, and now, just two weeks later, we're in, we're in a place where we have, you know, two of our major sports, uh, you know, basically shut down. Uh, I think the main difference is, here between you know, if you're looking to compare the NBA situation with the NFL, I mean, I, I think the NFL, you know, and I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll go on to talk about this a little bit too. Uh, you know, I, I think we're kind of in you know a, a posturing phase. You know, uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of uh, optimism of late with the NFL, and you know, some of the issues. And I think most of the main issues have been pretty much rectified. And and I, and I think you know, it, it's it's. It, the conventional wisdom is that this that the NFL uh, labor situation will be settled very soon, and they won't miss any games, they won't miss any training camp, and that'll be fine. Uh, the NBA looks to be an entirely different animal. I mean, you know, in the, in the NFL, you're basically looking at you know millionaires versus billionaires, you know, ways to divide up you know nine billion in revenue, or what have you. Uh, in the NBA, you, know, you you actually have teams that lost money last year, and you know, the NBA actually had a really good year. Uh, fan-wise and uh, media-wise, and it was a great year and, you know, a great finals and great playoffs. But fact of the matter is, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, there are upwards of 20 or so teams that actually lost money last year. So they really do need to come up with an entirely uh, you know, different way of, of doing business. Um, you know, I, I believe it was uh, uh, Michael Wilbon's column today on uh, ESPN.com, basically comparing the two situations in two sports, you know, he he said that the if the NFL is a sprained ankle, the the NBA is a uh, you know is a torn ACL, reconstructive surgery, and maybe a, a career-ending surgery. And you know, depending on who you talk to, you know, the entire season may be in jeopardy if they can't get their act together. I mean, that's how far apart the two sides seem to be about the issues. So you know, you know, I, I think 
the two sides are kind of, you know, digging in for a very protracted, very uh, contentious uh, lockout. And it's a situation that I think could get rather nasty because, you know, the players obviously want what they feel is owed to them, uh, you know, given, you know, what happened last year. And the owners, you know, especially the smaller market teams, are you know, looking to really kind of save themselves. Uh, you know, so it, 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 it's going to be a bad one, I'm afraid. And, you know, uh, I, I, I hope that, you know, for everyone's sake, they can, they can get together and talk. But, uh, you know, just from the hyperbole and the saber rattling, it's, uh, it's looking pretty grim at this point, unfortunately. Yes, it just appears... Very, very ominous. I mean, again, you, you, you know, you're hearing stuff after literally 13 hours that you hadn't heard in months uh, for the NFL lockout, which is, uh, I think, 107 days, which is the longest for the NFL in history. But, you know, the one thing the NFL has said all along, rightly or wrongly, is, you know, there will be a season. And they're sticking to that even today. And uh, they've been saying it since before the lockout, since the lockout, and they're saying it even today, whereas the NBA, again, 13 hours in, is already talking about there not being a season. So Now, obviously, there's a, you have to draw the parallel between the NHL missed season a few years ago uh, when they had similar issues. There's apparently ties with some NBA owners into the NHL and... Uh, you know, it looks like, you know, they're hunkering down and, you know, the NHL for all the woes of that missed year and everything, it, it feels like, you know, they, they kind of worked it out. I mean, I thought the product this year and granted, I looking at it a bit through the Bruins prison, but I thought the postseason, which is the best thing in all of sports NHL postseason, uh, was spectacular and the game is more exciting and lots of goals and less fighting. And, you know, it just feels like. The NBA almost wants to miss the season and maybe get it right the way that the NHL has apparently improved their game, if not got it right altogether. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, without sounding too Pollyanna-ish, um, fans always come back. And I think we've right. seen that in all the labor situations, you know, whether whatever sport it was and whatever the issues were. Uh, for each labor situation, they're always different, but the fans always come back. And, yes, I, I agree that... Uh, you know, being a hockey guy, maybe I'm a little biased, but, uh, you know, I, I think there's nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, yeah, I think the NHL had a, had a great season, and, and it's certainly a far cry from, you know, the missed season a few years back. And, you know, and a lot of the talk I remember during that, that missed campaign was, well, gee, you know, people don't even miss hockey. Nobody's even talking about it. And, you know, I, and I think that really was a kind of a wake-up call, but, you know, certainly the NHL has come back. Uh, you know, the NFL has come back from their past labor woes. Um but, you know, I, I think, too, another factor here is that in this economy, you know, to have two of your major sports um, out, uh, out of action with labor issues is really is treading on very dangerous ground. So, you know, I think the NFL is going to get it right, um, as, you know, as the feeling has been pretty much all along that, that they're going to get things done. I mean, you know, you have, uh, you know, Roger Goodell and DeMora Smith traveling around together. So, you know, how... How contentious can they be? I mean, they're, they're, they're going to get it done. I don't think anybody has any doubt about that. Uh, you know, the NBA is, is a completely different story, and I, and I think David Stern has kind of drawn the line in the sand to coin a phrase, and, you know, he knows that, you know, you, you have more than 20 teams that have had 
you know, operating issues that have lost money this year. And, you know, in the NBA, it's a matter of, of some of these small market teams surviving, I think, you know, which is, you know, the, the complete difference uh, from, from, from the, uh, from the NFL situation. So, you know, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it, there's a good chance it could get ugly. You know, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people that, that are pretty much accepting the fact that there will be games missed this year, will be a truncated schedule, and you know, we just have to see how this plays out. But, you know, from right from the get-go, you know, and as, you, as you just said before, I completely agree that, you know, there was never really a thought with the NFL lockup that, that it would be to the point where they would lose games and, you know, lose part of the season. Whereas here we are, the NBA lockup has just started, and they're already saying, oh, yeah, we're going to miss X number of games. Oh, yeah, we're not going to come back till." February or whatever, you know, whatever you want to hear, you know, depending on who you talk to. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely is not a good sign for basketball fans that uh, they're definitely in this, uh, you know, in this uh, trench digging stage already. Yes, and what I noticed with uh, you know the news conferences in the past twenty four hours is that you know David Stern seems to have a sense of you know resignation about him and his body language and his tone whereas billy hunter the players rep seems to have a very combative aggressive attitude and i i just don't think that bodes well at all and uh let me ask you this barry do you do you feel that the way that the big three was formed down in Miami with LeBron basically, you know, running the show, the inmates running the asylum, if you will, uh, do you think that that is playing a major role in where the owners are coming from and their willingness to sit out, you know, to miss the season? It, it, it may be. It may be. I mean, you know, I, I think the whole thing with, with the, the whole situation with decision and what went on after it, I think that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I think that might be more of a um, of a fan situation. You know, the fans may be uh, taking a dim view of, of the NBA, but you know, they're they're talking about totally revamping the whole economic system of the way the NBA operates. I mean, right, right now you have the um, you know the Larry Bird exception. Uh, you know, they're, in some places I've seen they're they're talking about maybe you know. Uh, tweaking that, or you know, maybe even not so much getting rid of it entirely, but but really, kind of rewriting their entire business plan, the entire way that that they operate. So you know, it just goes to show that there are a lot of teams really hurting right now. And you know, if you're a small market team and you look what what Miami did, you know, they they you know they didn't do anything illegal. I mean, they certainly you know operated you know, within the current rules of the NBA as far as the salary cap goes. But, you know, it makes it very difficult for a small market team to compete because you just don't, don't, don't have the revenue sharing that you have that, that, that the NFL does. I mean, the NFL is pretty much, you know, for all their labor problems, I think we can all agree that the NFL is pretty much the, the, uh, the, the blueprint for what a successful league should be. And I don't think anybody can dispute that. Um, you know, uh, the NBA, like you said, I mean, it certainly doesn't bode well, you know, when you, when you have, you know, David Stern, uh, you know, taking a very, you know, very uh, determined uh, view of, hey, this is what we have to do, and uh, Billy Hunter taking a, 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 you know, kind of a, a fighting viewpoint. So, you know, that, that that hyperbole is something we have not, we certainly have not seen uh, anything close to that in the NFL labor dispute. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, to answer your question, it maybe played a small part of it, but I, you know, I don't know if that was one of the determining factors, you know, certainly it, it, it didn't help because, you know, you have a lot of 
as we said, small market teams that really could benefit from a total revamping of the way uh, the NBA business model operates and does business. So we, we just have to see how this plays out. But it's, it's going to be a long one, and it's, it, it's not going to be pretty. Well, I agree, Barry, and excellent observations. Uh, you know, bottom line, uh, I, I'm, I think you and I are both in disbelief that here on July 1st, 2011, two of America's four major sports are officially in lockout mode. And uh, we'll see what happens. But once again, it's time to take our break and to join the show. The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And fortunately, Barry's sticking around, so we'll talk on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. Hard Hitting Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And to join me, John Inglesby, and the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And fortunately, I am still here with Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, uh... Enough lockout talk. Let's talk about some things that happened on the field and yeah, how about something that? that, yeah, yeah, something new, shall we say? Uh, and 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 I'm, I got to tell you, I'm not a big lockout legal sports talk guy. So what we just, the fact we just gave 15 minutes to it, may be uh, for me 
an all-time record. But uh, anyway, one of, for me, one of the more interesting uh, viewings of the week was that USA Mexico soccer match last Saturday night from the Rose Bowl. Over ninety thousand fans, a gigantic percentage of them being Mexican, uh, played in Pasadena. It was, you know, particularly interesting to me because I had covered and attended the USA team's friendly match against Spain right up here at Gillette Stadium a couple weeks ago. So, uh, you know, attended Bob Bradley and Clint Dempsey's news conference. So I'm pretty tuned into the soccer thing these days. And, uh, boy, you know, Barry, when they jumped out to that 2-0 lead, I thought, hmm, we could really have something. And it's a great rivalry that the U.S. and Mexico have. The passion was off the charts. And then Mexico absolutely blitzed them. Four goals, I mean, to to be down 2-0 in soccer is like uh, pretty substantial, shall we say. And then to right. score four goals in a row to put away the Americans on American turf, granted, with a pro-Mexico crowd. It was a pretty fascinating thing to watch. And then Tim Howard, the goalkeeper, was upset after the game because they did the post-game ceremony, which I watched and which I noticed in Spanish, again, on the floor of the Rose Bowl. Uh, sacred ground in American sports, shall we say. So a lot of things swirling about with that game. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the thing that I noticed most with, 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 with the U.S. soccer team is that, and this is something that's been going on, I think, over the past uh, past few years with them. You know, I, I think they've, they've tried so hard to, you know, and obviously they've built up the program tremendously from what it was. I mean, you know, the, the, the U.S. was never really uh, – uh, you know, a major, um, major competitor on, on the international front. You know, until a few years ago, and they've really raised the program up, and and you know, some great stars have kind of headed the way. You know, Landon Donovan, etc. Um, the U.S. seems to me to be the kind of, of team that you know they're just they just can't seem to like get over the hump and get to that next level. I mean, you know, I agree. A, a two nothing, having a two nothing lead in soccer, as we said, is you know that's huge, and and to have a a two nothing lead evaporate into into a two goal deficit of four two losses is equally amazing. But they, they just seem to get to that point. Just seem to get to you know get to that area where gee maybe we can really start to get, get excited about soccer in this country with a you know with a national team. And then something like this happens. They just seem to be uh, so so prone to heartbreak and so prone to like bizarre things happening. Um, I mean, I don't think you'll see anything as bizarre in soccer as that last goal that Mexico scored. I mean, you know, it was just, you talk about threading a needle. You talk about everything having to, to go right and everything having to go wrong for one side. I mean, it was just, that was just strange. And then you know, a few minutes before that, the U.S. batting one off the crossbar. And it's, it just seemed just typical, like, you know, same old U.S. soccer, but, uh, you know, I'd like to think that one day soon that we can, you know, we can kind of get over that hump and, and you know, get, get that going in a positive direction. And, you know, and I, think, I think certainly, you know, the women's side uh, has gone a long way to, you know, uh, you know, raise the U.S. stature on a national stage. I mean, depending World Cup champs, they have certainly gone off to a good start in their first game. So, you know, it may, it may be up to the women to raise, that, uh, to raise that level for U.S. soccer. We'll see. But it, it would be nice, you know, to see the men's side kind of, you know, get over that, that, that heartbreak level and just kind of, you know, try to forge some ground in that area. It would be great. Well, you're absolutely right, Barry. And, you know, that, that final goal was just uh, – we're going to be seeing that highlight for years to come. I mean, you know, 
Tim Howard started flailing around uh, for the ball way outside the zone. Reminded me a little bit of Tim Thomas of the Bruins. Yeah. Yep. And then for that guy, and then when that guy just hit that little pop up to the corner, and the American player went, and it just got over his head. And I, my initial reaction, of course, was just you know. Why didn't he put up his hands? And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's not the goalie. Right. He can't it's put back. up his yeah. hands. He, so he had right. to block it with his head. And yeah. there was maybe... You know what? He almost, but it was a perfect shot. I mean, that's the only, that was the only way, you know? That, 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 if that ball had been kicked anywhere else, it's not a goal. You know? I mean, uh, it, it had to get through all those, you know, uh, flailing Tim Howard, and then there were a couple of defenders in the way, and, and, the, and, and the Mexican player kind of popped it up in the air, and it just cleared the head of the American defender. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, you know, the same old dagger in the heart again for U.S. soccer. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully the U.S. can be the one wielding the dagger the next time. Yeah, it was utterly remarkable. I mean, I don't know the diameter of a soccer ball, but if it's, say, you know, 12 inches, then that guy shot that through what, what was the equivalent of a 14-inch window between the top of the guy's American player's head and the bottom of the goalpost. And so it's just... Utterly remarkable, and uh, we shall see. But moving on from soccer, uh, you know, big news down in New York this weekend, uh, July 4th, as it should be with the Yankees, and the hoped-for return of Derek Jeter, but not until Monday. But the Yankees are playing the Mets in an interleague series, of course. It's always huge. And uh, Jeter, of course, is chasing 3,000 hits. Uh You'll be in New York all weekend working uh, in the New York Post newsroom, and uh, what are your what's the mood of the down in New York for the game? Well, it's uh, series. I think whenever the Yankees and Mets get together, it's always it's always fun. It's always interesting, and I think uh, what is one of the rare situations where you have two teams kind of coming in on a high. I mean, you, we all know how good the Yankees are and, and what they've done so far, and the Mets have kind of been a real a real nice surprise in New York. You know, certainly uh, they've. They they're they're coming in uh, after scoring a lot of runs in the series against the Tigers and and being beating the Rangers a series before uh, they set a club record I think for over a four game stretch by scoring 52 runs through a four game stretch I don't think they've ever done that before uh, in their history so you know a lot of uh, you know a lot of Met fans feeling proud of, proud about their team and a lot of Yankee fans obviously uh, you know feeling uh, more proud of their team than they you know, you know as, as they always do. So, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a fun atmosphere, certainly, uh, for the games uh, tonight, uh, tomorrow afternoon, and, and Sunday afternoon at, uh, at City Field. Uh, and then Jeter uh, is expected to be activated on Monday uh, for the Yankee series against the Indians uh, as he uh, is six hits away from 3,000. Um, I think the Yankees would like to see him do it at home, uh, although Joe Girardi has said that, that that's not going to be a factor, that you know, whenever Jeter comes back, he'll come back because they need him, which they do. But, uh, you know, I think all things being equal, you know, say he gets a couple of hits in that Cleveland series, you know, they'll, they might sit him down for that third game and, you know, have him do it when they return home. So, you know, you always want, uh, you know, a record like that to be shared by, by the home fans, and I don't think there's going to be any exception. Well, and how appropriate. I think it's maybe divine intervention that uh, Derek Jeter is going to return on Monday, July 4th, the birthday of former Yankees owner, George Steinbrenner. That's right. And, you know, I think Jeter will, on that day, of course, uh, you know, begin his final run, which is, I think, going to be a very, very short one to becoming a base, a true baseball immortal uh, with 3,000 hits, joining, of course, 
a very elite club, and uh, it should be a great, great weekend down there. And uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. And you know, my pick of the weekend uh, for all you listeners slash viewers out there is uh, something I enjoy every July Fourth, which of course is the Wimbledon Championships. Uh, it looks like it's shaping up for a potential men's final with uh, Nadal versus Djokovic. Uh, we've already seen Federer beat and end the streak for Djokovic. So uh, I think the next thing we all want to see is is him play Nadal. So uh, that would be fabulous. I, that, like the British Open, it's always fun to do, uh, you know, early morning on, on a day off, shall we say, Sunday, Monday, whatever. And uh, so, yeah, so that's my pick of the weekend. And uh, But lots more other interesting things coming as well. So I'm sure you'll have a busy weekend down in the newsroom, Barry. Yeah, I think it will be. You know, between uh, you know, certainly uh, Yankees Mets will have most of our attention. You know, uh, Wimbledon right. a little. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's uh, the, the the holiday is always is always a good time, and you know, baseball taking front and center, and uh, you know, not going to be much NBA news unfortunately, and uh, you know, and maybe some NFL news as we kind of uh, you know get get to that window that we think that that, that they're going to settle by. So yeah, I, I think. Despite the, the posturing comments of the last couple of days, I, I think it is mainly posturing, and I think the, the, the NFL side should just kind of sit down and, and get this done. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we can't say that about the NBA. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it'll certainly be a, a big sports weekend in New York for sure. No doubt about it. And uh, we were down in, for July 4th weekend uh, a couple of years ago, and New York will be buzzing all weekend uh, with sports and otherwise. And Barry, I just want to thank you again for joining us on the show and have a great weekend, a great week. And I hope that next time we talk, uh, the NFL lockout is that much closer towards being over. That'd be terrific. And, uh, always a pleasure, John. Thanks so much. All right, Barry and voice America listeners have a happy July 4th weekend. And we'll look forward to talking to you next Friday at 1 PM Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.